about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TCVC family. Uh, once again, we will be bringing our message to you over Facebook. Uh, praise God. Uh, we sang a little while ago just to warm up, raise a hallelujah in the middle of the storm. We're going to praise him, and that's what we're going to do in the middle of any storm that comes our way. Uh, we miss each and every one of you. My gosh, we're going to be so good in the near couple weeks, hopefully, to get back together with everybody, spend our time together again where we can actually talk to one another and do one another. I've uh, been texting, emailing some of you, keeping up the track. Everybody in the church seems to be doing very well. Mostly, most of them want to get in a service is what most of them want to do. So that hopefully will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Once again, if you're with the church or not with the church and you're watching this, you can get on our emails basically where you'll get a daily word from the Lord. It's just a little clip. It's not too long. It won't take up too much of your time. You just uh, let us know. You can text us or email us, I guess. Email us at mytcvc 633 at gmail.com and you will get on that once again tithes and offerings we're just taking down here you can mail them to us here at the building we are at 3212 south us1 in beautiful Fort pierce florida and our zip code is 34982 that's pretty good it's the first time we got that right so we're getting better <laughs> get a lot better at this stuff we're moving up a little bit so hallelujah all right take your bibles this morning go to matthew chapter 28 I'm going to cover some scriptures this morning, but the good news is they're all in Matthew. So if you can find Matthew, you're going to be in good shape. Once again, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God and different aspects of the kingdom of God. I believe the church is making an adjustment right now, coming into the place where the kingdom of God is becoming the most important thing to people. And the more we understand it, the more we learn to operate in it, the better things are going to be, not only for God, but for us also. So look at Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse 18. This is the last thing Jesus said. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that word actually there, is authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Now, I've been a Christian now for over 30 years. I have been in the ministry for almost 20 years. And for the first part of my ministry and the first part of being in the church, I didn't really understand totally what God wanted for me or from me. Here's Jesus' commission to his disciples. First of all, he says, all power, all authority has been given to him. Now, notice, how did he get that authority back? We all know that he suffered. He went on the cross. He died, rose, defeated, defeated hell, death, and the grave, and he got the authority back. But notice, he's telling us all authority is given unto us. And why did he do all that stuff? To restore authority and dominion back to mankind who had lost it when Adam basically had sinned. So God got back the authority, and he tells us, what's it say? Go teach. Notice, go and teach, not even go preach. Now, we've had evangelists who go out and they preach the gospel and they preach about being born again and people get born again and they go to the next city. But here's, here's a different kind, of, different kind of calling. Go and teach. 
We need to teach. What do we need to teach? We need to teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. In other words, the good news about the kingdom of God. So basically here he's telling us what to do. He's telling us to go teach the kingdom of God. Now there's people out there basically who say, I'm a Christian, that's fine. Some people say, I am the church, and that's fine. But basically here one of the main things is Jesus is dealing with, he's trying to make not church people, not Christians, he's trying to make disciples of us. In other words, he's trying to discipline us to his ways of doing things, his ways of thinking, his ways of acting that basically is the way it's done in heaven. So first of all, he says, go and you need to teach. Now, what am I supposed to teach? Here's where we make a difference. Verse 19, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So what am I supposed to be teaching as a pastor? What should I teach as a little group leader or whatever? I am supposed to teach basically what Jesus actually taught his disciples. Basically, we want to teach the same thing. Now, for years, I taught the born-again experience, and that's fine. Basically, being born-again is wonderful. But if you check out what Jesus preached, basically, he only preached born-again one time in the entire Bible. And that time, it was in the middle of the night to a religious leader who was trying to figure out how to get in the kingdom of God, so he talked about the born-again experience. Notice, Jesus never preached about going to heaven. Jesus never preached really on healing. He just healed people. Jesus never preached on deliverance. He simply delivered people. I found basically that one thing that needs to be taught according to this scripture was to taught about the government or the coming back of the kingdom of God into the earth realm, but I was having a hard time finding anybody teaching that. I went to the seminary. They never talked about the kingdom of God. They just told me how to stand, how to look, not to chew gum, and all that kind of stuff. But basically, notice, Jesus says, you need to teach them what I have taught you. So for 20 years, I'm teaching this, and I'm teaching that, and I'm teaching that. And they're all good subjects. There's healing and their identity and all these things. But notice, Jesus said, you need to teach the kingdom of God. Now, teaching takes a while. It takes a little bit longer. People say that we don't need church services anymore. We don't. Well, it depends what your church service is. I see, I see church services basically as an opportunity to teach on the kingdom of God, basically, it's right in this verse here, and get people to understand and grow up in the kingdom of God, and that doesn't come in a one-shot deal. Trust me, I've been studying it for over 10 years now, and I still don't know anything about it. But I'm learning more and more each and every day, and the more you learn, the more you can teach to other people, because my mindset was messed up for 10, 15 years, because I was taught things that really did not pertain to Jesus and what he taught. So we want to teach what Jesus taught, basically. So go back to Matthew chapter 4. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17. This is the first sermon of Jesus. What did he say? From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. So here comes Jesus. His first sermon was not really about uh, deliverance. It was not about healing. It was basically about a kingdom of God that was returning to the earth realm that man had lost way back when Adam sinned and rebelled. So Jesus, first of all, says, Repent. What does repent mean? Well, if you look it up, repentance basically in the church has been, you know, I sinned here, I need to repent. I sinned there, I need to repent. But repentance is to change your way of thinking, almost 360 all or 180 all the way around, to think like someone else thinks, basically. So what he's telling me here is you need to repent. Now, why should I repent? Because a new kingdom with new ways of operation is coming into the world through me, and you're going to have to line up in your thoughts and in your ways in order to participate in that kingdom. So Jesus' first sermon, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. I've got to take out of Matthew just one time now. 
I'm finding the more and more I study the kingdom of God where I failed in so many places in my own life as far as trying to believe for this and trying to do that and trying to do this. As I f- understand the kingdom of God and how Jesus operated, it eliminates many of the things that I was doing before that I don't have to do now. Because many times we are trying to possess things through deity or through God, basically, that Jesus already provided for us and they freely belong to us. In other words, I preach to Christians or I teach Christians what they need to be, they'll all amen. What they need to do, they all amen. But I preach to them who they are, I don't get too many amens because people have trouble coordinating their thinking along with what Jesus actually did for us in his suffering, death, and resurrection and why he brought this new kingdom to us. So here in Luke chapter 4, look at verse 43, and Jesus said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I what? Sent. Therefore, I'm sent. So here's Jesus out of his own mouth. We don't have to wonder what's going on here. He said, I must. Not I could. Maybe I'll think about it. He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. It says, that's why I was sent. So if somebody asks you why Jesus is sent, you know why he was sent? To preach the gospel of the kingdom. Why did Jesus come? To preach the gospel and reintroduce the kingdom of God back into the natural realm to mankind who had lost it. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. One more, and that's it. And then we're going back to Matthew. You'll be okay. All right, Acts chapter 1, look at verse 1. It says, The former trustees have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, and that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice once again, what's he saying? Jesus went to the cross. He suffered. He was raised from the dead. First thing he does for the next 40 days before he goes up to heaven is basically he teaches the disciples on the kingdom of God. So this morning, you may be a Christian and you may be a good one. You may be a church person or the church itself, and that's good. But we want to move into discipleship. In other words, we want to be disciplined to the way Jesus reacted, the way he thinks, the things that he does, because Jesus had victory because of those things. So we want to find out here, he says, he taught about the kingdom of God. Notice he didn't teach about his cross. He didn't teach about the resurrection. He had 40 days to do it. Instead, he taught about something called the kingdom of God. So if I'm going to be a teacher and I want to bring people into discipleship, it's obvious to me I have to teach what Jesus taught because that's what he told me to do in order to bring people into discipleship. All right, go to Genesis chapter 1. People always say, why are you teaching on that? So now you know, praise God. All right, Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 26. This is God's original mandate. This is God's original purpose. This is what he wanted done in verse 26. And God said, let us make man, that's you, all mankind, in our image and after our likeness, and let him have dominion. That word there, dominion, is kingdom. That word is rulership. That word is control over. So God basically created man in mind with man having dominion. Now, if God gave man dominion, do you think maybe God wanted him to use the dominion that he possibly gave them? 
Yes. And it's the first thing he gave. He gave dominion. He didn't give them a worship service. He didn't give them a church service, but he gave them dominion, expecting mankind to use that authority, use that dominion in the kingdom and translate the kingdom down here to the earth realm. So basically the creator's primary purpose, his motivation for the human creatures, which we are, was dominion and a kingdom. Now this is important because, and there's nothing wrong with worship, there's nothing wrong with church services, there's nothing wrong with prayer, but you can still worship and live in defeat. You can still pray and live in bondage. And why is that? Because he didn't give us prayer, he gave us dominion to live freely and then worship. I'll tell you, you're going to worship a lot better if things are going good. That if all's hell's breaking loose in your life, you're broke, you're sick, you're down and out. Man, it's hard to worship, hard to get any feelings up at all. But notice, he gave us dominion. Dominion was the main thing. So in the heart of this original man, he put dominion on the inside. He put authority in there. And that hunger for working and operating in authority is already inside of every single human being that's born in the natural realm. They want authority. They want dominion. They want to be able to handle their circumstances and situations. They want to be able to handle their problems. Well, how do you do that? With dominion or with rulership or with authority that's been born on the inside. That's why bondage is so ugly. If you ever end up in bondage of any kind, it just feels terrible to you. Why? Because God never created you to be in bondage. He created you to have dominion over any bondage so that you would not be in bondage. So basically on the inside of each and every person, there is authority in me. There is authority born on the inside of you. And sometimes we misuse that authority. The time we misuse that authority is when we use it to rule over people rather than over situations, things, and the enemy. In other words, we see nation against nation. We see the people working in the workforce against their bosses. You see husbands against wives and wives against husbands. You see kids against their parents. What is that? That's authority that they have, and they're misusing that authority by trying to use it over a human being rather than using it for what God gave us to use it for. So on the inside of you, there is a desire there. There is a hunger there. What's it for? It's for power and authority, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's what Jesus gave it to you for. The Father gave it to you basically so that you could rule and you could reign on this earth realm. How many know God's in charge in heaven. No problems up there. Everything's gone just fine. Well, he's trying to transfer that down through his kids, his children, which are us, into the earth realm to make earth just like it is in heaven right now. So basically, you have authority, you have power, you have dominion. Most people, that's why they pursue money all the time. Because of that authority on the inside of them, most people think that money equals authority and equals power. And actually, it does in a certain way because it gives you more authority and power in different areas of your life. But what happens when you get sick? What happens when something comes up that money you cannot take care of? As a matter of fact, money is called the little G-O-D of this world sometimes. Well, basically, it's called the almighty dollar. Have you ever heard that? Why is that? Because that's the thing that people are trying to get a hold of. That's what they're trying to get. They think that that will fulfill their lives, but money will never fulfill your life. The only thing that will fulfill your life is what you lost. You lost the kingdom. You lost authority. That's why heaven will never satisfy you. Religion will never satisfy you. Money will never satisfy you. You have to seek what you lost, and the loss is the kingdom of God. Remember the uh, rich young ruler? I mean, this guy was a good guy. He did about everything right. He had plenty of money, but he still knew on the inside that he was lacking something. Something wasn't right. Yet he came to Jesus and he asked. And of course, Jesus says, you got a bunch of money. You got money because of the world system. Now I want you to get into the kingdom system of finances, sell all you have, give it away and start all over again. How many know he didn't like that answer? See, a lot of things you learn in the kingdom of God, you're not going to like the answer to. 
but they are the answer because it hooks you up with heaven where there's enough supply up there to take care of you in any situation or any other thing that comes along in your life. So basically what happened on the inside? He didn't know. He was still looking for something. He didn't know the kingdom was his thing. People said, well, if I just get a better job, everything will be all right. If I just hit the lottery, praise God, everything's going to be good. But the Bible doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the riches of the world. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus told us in Matthew 6.33 that you need to seek first the kingdom of God. He said that because he knows how you should live. He knows what's best for you, for your family, for everybody else around you. And if you just follow and do what he tells you to do, you're going to discover different ways to operate, and you're going to repent and make some changes in your life. All right, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 20. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. Now, when mankind was given authority back in the garden, basically he, he could have ruled, he could have reigned, he could have taken authority over the snake or the devil that came to him and kept ruling and reigning, but when he didn't, he sinned, and basically at that time he lost the authority that he had, he lost his right standing with God, which is righteousness, and he lost the Holy Ghost all at the same time. So that's what man lost, and that's what Jesus came to restore, to restore back to mankind, basically, what they lost. What is that? The Holy Spirit, righteousness, and all these things to you. Now, I was taught, basically, to spend my life pursuing what I never lost. Basically, I was supposed to get born again, then pursue heaven, because someday we're going to get to heaven. So I was told to be a good little boy, do my best, do whatever I could, and maybe someday I would get to heaven, and that would be the end of everything for me, and I'd live happily ever after, and that was the end of it. But the problem was, it, when I got saved at 30, I didn't die at 30. I still had to live the next 50, 60 years. So... Instead of everything being done in my life, like I was taught, basically, it's over with. You're born again. Don't worry about anything. Just try not to sin. Try to be such a good boy, and you will get to heaven. I did not know that there was a kingdom that I could receive back into my life that had rulership, that had power, that had legal rights in my life. So once I got born again, I could live a life of kingdom victory in every single area of my life until the day that I died. In other words, I don't have to wait to heaven to get my victory. You ever hear songs about heaven? Oh, what a day it will be. Glory, glory, glory. Fly away, fly away, fly away. We'll all be in heaven and everything will be wonderful. But what about my rotten here and now? You know, what about my days right now? What about what's going on right now? So my focus basically was shifted, and it was shifted basically by starting to study the kingdom of God and seeing what Jesus thought about these things. I found out that Jesus basically never, ever even hardly taught about Healing, never taught about heaven, never taught about going to heaven, never taught much about the new birth, never taught about all these things. So as I started seeking the kingdom of God, the void in me started to become full in my life because I started to living in line with God's right ways of living in line. How many know God's better liver than you are? He knows more about it than we do. So as I started lining up with him, I started to see my finances come into line, my marriage come into line, everything in my life come into line, the church believers coming into line, me coming into line. So, and when you've got something that works, you want to tell other people. It's very hard to be a salesman if you're trying to sell something that ain't working. So basically, the more it works in my life, the more opportunity I have to give it to other people so they also live in this kingdom that's there. And if you don't seek the kingdom of God, you're going to seek something else to fill that void. 
I mean, I sought alcohol for 30 years trying to fill that void. And let me tell you, it didn't do no good. It made me unconscious for a little while. But that's about all that it did. See, people out there, even Christians who've been born again, they're on drugs. Christians are out there, they're on alcohol. They're out there in worry land and fear land. Why is that? There's a void on the inside of you and only one thing can fill it and that is the kingdom of God, getting back in the kingdom of God and understanding the kingdom of God. So Jesus came to restore you back to that place and the day that you got born again, basically it restored you. Now religion told me that I had basically to do a bunch of religious works and the more religious works that I did, God would be more happy with me. And hopefully I did more religious works than I did boo-boos and canceled them out. So when I died, religious works would win out over boo-boos. I thought that's what it was all about. And then I found out that my, my, my boo-boos were way ahead of my religious works. And most of the religious works I doing weren't really, I'll tell you what religious works did for me. They made me feel better. I mean, I was told you go to church or you go to hell. That's what I was raised up in religion. You go to church or you go to hell. So I went to church. Man, I was the most bored person in that entire church. I was watching it, hoping it would end in the hour it was supposed to end. I was walking around, see who was in church that week, see who wasn't in church in that week, see what was going on, see what that was dressed like over there, you know. A teenager checking out the babes. That's, we went to go to church, check out the babes. That's all we're there for, you know, and all these things. What was I doing? I was in, in the church there, but I wasn't really in church. I was just there. Why was I there? Because basically I didn't want to go to hell. And by doing this, I didn't think I'd go to hell because I went to church. And I found out basically I was told that if you, if you don't go to church, you're going to hell. I found out there's something worse than that. That's if you do go to church and you still go to hell. Because you wasted an hour every Sunday morning going to church, basically. So all these things that I were doing were not done because of kingdom things. They were done basically out of religiosity, trying to oppress a God who was already impressed with me. Come on, he went to the cross while I was in the bars, while I was a sinner, while I wasn't doing anything. He already paid the price for me. He didn't wait till I got all cleaned up and, and worked at bingo for three weeks and did everything I could religiously. No, he loved me simply because he loved me, and basically he paid the price for me. So I no longer had to basically try to impress God anymore because I found out God was already impressed with little old me, praise God. Hallelujah. That gives me a goosebump almost, glory to God. So in religion, there were two events in my life, born again heaven. That was it. That's all there was in religion. But when I started seeking the kingdom of God, I basically found a purpose for my own life. I found a plan for my own life. I found a way to live that I could bring others into that would help them live in victory every single day of their life. So religion basically at first taught me to prepare to leave the earth. That's the first thing I did. You got to get ready. You never know. It could be tomorrow. You could die and get out of here. So you better get ready. Told me to act right. Told me to behave right. Told me to be good so I could go to heaven. But when I started studying the kingdom, I found out that the kingdom actually empowered me to dominate the earth. It gives me a purpose for right now. Not to leave earth, but to rule here on the earth, which was the purpose that I was created for. Religion, basically, whenever you talk about it, focuses on heaven. Are you going to heaven? Are you ready for heaven? Then I studied the kingdom of God, and Jesus never even preached on heaven, so it must not matter that much to him. And when I started studying the kingdom, I found out the whole focus of the kingdom of God is not on heaven, it's on the earth. Am I doing God's will right now? Am I using the dominion, which is my purpose in my life? Am I doing those things that God has given me the ability to do? Am I fulfilling my purpose? It's terrible to be on earth not knowing what your purpose is. 
there's just no reason to live. People are committing suicide. Why? They don't think there's a purpose for their life. There's nothing there. People are taking creams and surgeries, trying to live longer when they don't even know why they're living to begin with. When you find out your purpose and your plan here, which is dominion, which is rulership, which is God-given authority in the name of Jesus Christ, then it changes your purpose and your life becomes exciting down here. Religion also told me that I was basically a poor, rotten sinner, and I was reaching up to God, trying to get God to hear me, trying to get God to touch me, trying to get God to do this. When I started studying the kingdom of God, I found out, according to that, God came down to man, praise God. The, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Instead of me pursuing God, I found out God had pursued me the whole time, and I was trying to get to somebody who was chasing me down. The Bible said, God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent him down here to earth because he sent him down here to us, praise God. He came after you. Religion always wants to escape the earth. They sing songs about it. We long for it. What a great day that will be. We'll all be with Jesus forever. But the kingdom doesn't want you to go to heaven. It wants you to impact, influence, and dominate the earth. It wants you to fulfill the purpose that you were created to do right here on the earth. And the problem with being down here on the earth, there's a time frame. See, once you die, there's going to be no more time. It's going to be eternity. But basically, you've got a time frame down here. Whether you live to be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, that time frame is for you, and it's for you to complete the purpose that he put you here to do. And the only time real happiness is going to come in your life is when you're fulfilling that purpose that God has given you to do. That's when peace comes from. That's where joy comes from. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, praise God. So why are so many Christians depressed? Why are they out there someplace else not enjoying these things? Because they're not living in right mindset and right ways with the kingdom of God. Therefore, there is no peace, and their peace and joy is not in the Holy Ghost, the power in you and the authority. Their peace is in things that they either have or don't have. Man, when they lose something, they go wild. Why is that? Because that is what they were holding on to. That's what their life was. But notice, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So religion basically seeks to take earth to heaven. Get me out of this miserable place. Oh, Jesus, come back, come back, come back, come back. Looking for the days of peace and of joy. But when you study the kingdom of God, you're going to find out that our job is not to die and go to heaven. It's to bring heaven into the earth realm. In other words, you are a channel of peace. You are a channel of joy. You are a channel of power. You are bringing the kingdom back into this earth realm by the ability that's on the inside of you. My early Christian days were, let me just say I had a real good confession, but nothing was working in my life. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Christians out there like that. See, that, that's where I was at. In other words, I was in a struggle every day. I was in a fight every day. I was in a battle every day. But boy, get me to church. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Yes, healing, healing. He heals me, heals me. And last week I was sick as a dog the whole week. But he heals me, he heals me. Why is that? Because basically it wasn't a reality to me because I was trying to obtain these things through my works to get them, not understanding that Jesus provided them all for us freely. So what was I doing? I was allowing and tolerating things in my life that shouldn't be in my life. Sickness doesn't have to be in your life. Worry doesn't have to be in your life. Fear doesn't have to be in your life. You have been given kingdom dominion over those things to run those things out of your life. And most of the time, I prayed to get God to do these things. And finally, as I started studying the kingdom of God, I found out it wasn't his responsibility to do these things. It was my responsibility. He gave me dominion to live that way. And I always tell Becky when I talk to her that, that when I see the church, I see three different areas, like three different levels. If you, if you remember that sermon where they were in the boat, they were crossing the lake, and all, once a storm came up, and they were going to... 
and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. There's three types of Christians. Some people will preach to you that basically you just cry out to Jesus and he'll help you. When trouble comes, scream out, cry out, and he's going to help you. And how many know that's true? And other people say, well, if you just have Jesus in the boat with you, just keep him in the boat. And when you keep him in the boat, you can wake him up and he'll do something for you. And how many know I've heard that preach? And that's fine if you're on that level. But Jesus' level was basically to rebuke the wind, rebuke the waves, and then rebuke his disciples who did not do what he wanted them to do in that situation. So basically, what do we do? And I know everybody's in a different stage now. Everybody's in a different growing area now. Everybody's at a certain level, and I understand that, but I'm telling you what, if you've been in the church 30 years, and you're still screaming every time something happens to you to God to do something, it is time to grow up. Come on, if your child, basically, you tied his shoes at the age of two and three, but if he's coming to his graduation from high school and needs you to tie his shoes, come on now, there's a growing thing that takes place here. There's a growing up in the things, and God will take a newborn, and people, well, he helped that person right there. They just got saved last week, and God stepped in and did something. Yes, there's still a spiritual baby who needs that kind of help yet, but oh, 10 years from now, you better grow up. You better start using your own authority. You better start using your own dominion. You better start using what God has given you on the inside. Why is that? Because God is growing up an army of people who aren't even an army, basically, because we got the army of the angels, but we are people who walk in victory. We are people who keep things out of our life. I allow this, I disallow that. I'll allow you, I won't allow you. You've got the say to do it according to the kingdom. Now, according to religion, you just pray a little harder. Maybe God will hear you. Shout a little bit more. Scream a little bit more. Get God's attention. You know, he's got a lot of people he's got to deal with. So you've got to yell a little bit louder than your brother or sister who's yelling over here. No. Kingdom mindset gets you in a place where these victories already belong to you. Jesus has already provided your righteousness. He's provided your peace. He's provided your joy. All these things have been given to you. Now it's your job to enforce what he gave you here on the earth. And when you start enforcing things in your life, things are going to start to change in your life. You're going to find out. But I'll tell you what, I went through 10, 11, 12 of my Christianity. Nobody ever told me these things. Nobody ever told me any of this stuff. They just said, keep trying, brother. Try a little harder. Pray a little longer. Scream a little louder. Study the word. Maybe you'll get enough faith. I didn't know I was responsible for these things. And since I didn't know I was responsible for these things, I were not doing these things. So as I started studying the kingdom of God and Jesus basically showing us what we could do, not what he could do and we couldn't, He's basically an example of the kingdom of God. He's a demonstration of the kingdom of God and how we operate in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 23. The first thing when you start seeking the kingdom of God that's going to change in your life will probably not be your health, probably not your finances. It'll be the way you think. Because it's your thinking basically that continues to get you in trouble and keep you in trouble. All right, Matthew Chapter 23, let's see, let's look, just go to verse 13. Jesus says, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that they enter in. One of the greatest things you're going to find out, your greatest enemy against the kingdom of God is basically religious thinking. Jesus described it as labor and bringing, bearing a heavy laden for you. Here it talks about the religious leaders. It said they were shutting up heaven on the people that they were trying to bring into the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because religion always postpones everything to the future. Do you want peace? You're going to have it in heaven. You want power? Where do you get to heaven? You have dominion? Oh, when you get to heaven, there's going to be dominion. There's going to be a great worship and praise service. It puts things off in the future. For now, you're just supposed to hold on. I'm holding on. 
I'm hanging on. It's quite a battle. It's gone on. In other words, you're just supposed to tolerate through your lifetime until you get to what they think is the kingdom in heaven when Jesus came and already brought the kingdom back to the earth realm. You cannot enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God now if you're looking for them in the future. Tomorrow's power is not going to help you today. Tomorrow's faith ain't going to help you today. Basically, what you have today. So the kingdom came. Jesus says, this is the kingdom of God. And I tell you what I want you to do first of all, repent. Why? Because you're putting everything off to the future, not understanding that everything you ever desired has now come back with the kingdom of God that I have brought to you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not when you die and go to heaven, not next week, but today is the day of salvation. So basically religion put off for me that nothing was really going to get better until I died and went to heaven. And when I died and went to heaven, I was going to live up there with him for eternity and everything's going to be fine. But if you study the kingdom of God, you're going to find out that you're not going to be in heaven for eternity. You're going to be back here on the earth ruling and reigning just what God's original purpose was to begin with, praise God, because that's what we're supposed to be doing down here. So basically, it it pushed the kingdom up. I found I cannot appropriate anything in my life that basically I don't know. And that's why the Bible says that basically my people are destroyed because of lack of power, authority. No, lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge of the kingdom of God, knowledge of who you are, knowledge of what Jesus did for you. I mean, we go through all this stuff all the time. We go through days, we go through months, we go through years, and we celebrate. Christmas, Jesus is born. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now the cross. Jesus is dying on the cross. Good Friday. Now, we just did it. Jesus is raised from the dead. Glory to God. And 40 days from now, Pentecost, the Holy Ghost is coming. Hallelujah. Then you know what we do? Start over. Can't wait till Christmas. Jesus get born again. Can't wait till he dies again. Can't wait till he's raised again. Can't wait till he... Well, how about taking advantage of what he did all that stuff for? See, he was raised from the dead to make you just as you had never sinned righteous and to fill you with somebody by the name of the Holy Ghost. Yet we don't want to deal with that. We just want to celebrate for one day. He's alive. Is he alive? Oh, he's alive. Is he alive in your life? Oh, yes, he's alive. What does that do for you? Well, I don't know, but I'm sure we got... Pentecost coming, so maybe something will happen there, you know, will take place there. No, he did all these things basically to restore the kingdom of God to you, to give it to you. So I want to take advantage of his birth. I want to take advantage of his death. I want to take advantage of his resurrection. What happened when he was raised in heavenly places? The Bible said, I was raised up and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. The Bible says he's offering power to you, not keeping it from you. So all these things we got to look at, not just as another day and another year, we got to look at these things and understand that these things were done for a purpose and they were to bring back the kingdom of God and man's restoration to his original place, his original where he's supposed to be, praise God. Hallelujah. So basically here it says they lock up the kingdom of heaven. They lock it up. Why do they lock it up? Because they'll get you saved, then they'll tell you there's nothing for you right now until you die and go to heaven. Praise God. You'd be better off getting saved at 85 and dying at 86, wouldn't you? I mean, rather than getting saved at 15 and go through hell your whole life because you don't know what you're doing until you finally get to the place to where it's all over with. All right, go to Matthew 21. All right, look at verse 31. It says, Whether of them twain did will of his father, they said unto him the first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. 
But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when you had seen it, repented not afterwards that you might believe. Once again, it's talking about religion here. It's talking about religion messing people up. What, what did the kingdom show me? The kingdom showed me that it didn't matter whether you were a prostitute or a sinner. Once you moved into the kingdom of God, your past was past. The Bible says you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Religion taught me that, okay, Okay, you did something right now, but you're a sinner, and you just keep going. You just keep doing the best you can. Keep fighting that sin. Keep trying to get rid of that sin, and remember your past, and you've got to do, go to confession today, and you sin tomorrow. Well, the more sin you believe and the bigger sinner you believe you are, the bigger sinner you will be able to be because whatever man believes in his heart, therefore he is. So basically, the more sin that leave you in a sinner, they leave you a prostitute, they leave you... How, how many of you know, if you keep going back into your past, you're never going to go in the future. If you want to take a journey into the future, you're going to have to leave some of them bags behind. In other words, what you were before you got born again doesn't make a difference. Well, I could never preach because I was, I was, I was, a, I was a prostitute. Gone. Over with. You've been born again. Don't let that hold you back. Find out what the kingdom says. The kingdom said you now have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You're no longer a sinner. But what you believe is basically what you will be. So, so religion kept me in, and we'd pray, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. we pray, pray for us sinners, not the hour of our death, amen. Are you a sinner? Yes. Are you sinning today? Of course. And every night I'd go to bed before I went to bed, figure out all the sins that I made that day, and if I didn't make any, I could certainly come up with something to tell God that I did that day. So I was going around and around, a poor, poor, pitiful me. I'm unworthy. I can't do anything. But when I found out in the kingdom of God, the kingdom has restored us back to our original place. Genesis 1.26 doesn't say, let us make man as a sinner, worthless, terrible, no good, and let him have dominion. No, it said, let us make man in my image and in my likeness. In the same character of him you were born back into at this time. So you've got to let the past go. You don't see yourself as a loser now. You don't see yourself as a sinner. I don't see myself as somebody who's getting beat up all the time by the devil or anything else. The devil doesn't even need my time a day, basically, in my life anymore. I've been raised up into kingship, raised up into a place of victory in my life. So the kingdom of God, I found out, that already gave me that, not by my works, but by his works. So what do I want to do? I certainly do not want to focus on my works. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Well, let's go back over my day. Well, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I got mad there. No, why don't you focus on his works, basically? Oh, he made me righteous. Oh, he filled me with his spirit. Oh, he filled me with his power. Oh, he's given me authority. Oh, he's done this. The Bible says, awake to righteousness and you'll sin not. Not awake to sin. If you wake to sin, guess what's going to happen? You're going to sin plenty, praise God. So we're waking up. We're getting a revelation of what the kingdom did for us, what it did. The Bible says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 or 4, we all with open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory. So what am I doing? Whatever I'm looking at, Whatever I'm looking at, if I look and see myself as a sinner, unworthy, terrible, that's who I'm going to be. If I behold Him, His image, His likeness, who He restored me to be, then I'm going to start living like He did. No fear, authority, and power. Notice, the blood was enough to save you. You do not have to do works to add to the blood. The blood was enough. But not only did it save you, it restored to you all these things that mankind lost so you could fulfill not only your purpose, but you could also fulfill God's purpose. How many know this whole thing was God's idea? 
I mean, I wasn't there. And in Genesis chapter 1, he was creating man, and I was standing under the tree, and I said, could you please create us in your image and in your likeness and give us dominion? No, this was all God's idea. This is a God idea. This is a God purpose. This is a God plan. But most Christians and most church people are not fulfilling their plan because they don't know his plan. It's hard to fulfill his plan if you don't. And when you get the big picture, and that big picture is basically bringing heaven's lifestyle, heaven's values, heaven characteristics into the earth realm. That's the big picture. Now, where do I fit in that picture? But if I'm here and, well, I'm here, what are you doing here? I don't know. Uh, What are you supposed to be doing? I don't know. And you just do that. There's no place for you to go but try to do everything your own way. And there's a way that the man thinks is right, but it ends up in destruction. So we need to change, we need to repent, we need to find out what the kingdom of God basically says. Another thing that will set back people is tradition. Tradition is something that people get locked into for years because I went to church every Sunday thinking that was enough to go to heaven. Basically, tradition was my salvation. Why? If I went to church, I'd go to heaven. Well, what about Jesus? Well, if I went to church, I'd go to heaven. Well, you didn't even need Jesus. All you had to do is go to church, and you'd go to heaven, because that was my God at that time, because tradition had taught me that's what I needed to do. And people, you can tell, out of tradition, what do they do? They go to, to church on Christmas. They go to church on Easter, and then you don't see them again, and they're back. Why is that? That's a tradition. It's a tradition that if you're going to go to church, at least go on Christmas, and at least go on Easter, praise God. But the question is, are you living a Christmas life? <laughs> Are you living an Easter life? Are you living a resurrection life? That's what it's all about. Not just to do traditions basically all the time that you've been taught over years that you think are going to help you because they're not, praise God. I tried tradition. I tried religion. It did not work for me at all. But when I started studying the kingdom of God, I found out many of the things that I was doing was not what God even wanted me to do. Look at Jesus. You know, religion didn't like him. They were the ones who came against him the most. They're the ones who crucified him. They're the ones who came after him all the time. Why is that? Because he did not do tradition. He did what was right according to the kingdom of God. Can you imagine he healed on the Sabbath? It's terrible. Terrible. He was terrible. So he heals somebody and heals a blind man on the Sabbath. What are the religious? Oh, that's great. You got your eyesight. No, they got mad at him for doing it. On the Sabbath day, heals a woman bent over. They don't care about her. Religion cares about its traditions and its work. God cares about people. See, God doesn't care about man-made works. He cares about God-made people. So religion's basically, did you keep that rule? Did you keep that rule? Did you keep that rule? If you become more interested in kingdom ways and kingdom people and people around you, it'll keep you from getting off into areas where you want to judge everybody. Well, they don't do that, and they don't do this, and they don't, but who are they? And help them out and do something and encourage them and raise them up. So basically, tradition will bind you. It will keep you there. It'll keep you in a spot, basically, where you can go no further in the things of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 7. We sing songs about freedom, but until you start understanding the kingdom of God, you'll never know what freedom is. Because most people are bound, basically, by religious thinking and don't even know it. People will say to me, and they'll get, I'll, I'll try to teach somebody, and they'll say, hey, I want you to know right now, I don't have religion, I have a relationship. And I always say, well, is a relationship through religion? And they'll say, well, maybe, because I did this, and I did that, and I did this. Your relationship is through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who provided everything for you freely. The Bible says if he gave Christ, then he'll probably give you all things. It says it's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. God's trying to get this stuff over to us, but religion and tradition and things are blocking those things from getting in our life. All right, Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 3. You'll like this scripture. And why beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye, 
but consider not the beam that is in your own eye. Or how will they say to thy brother, Let me pull out that mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Notice, a religious spirit, when you deal in religiosity, is constantly trying to perfect everybody else but you. You see everybody else's faults but yours. You're always looking into them. You're always judging them. You're trying to make this little thing here, little thing there. And notice what he says. Most of the time, those people already have a beam in their own eye, and they're trying to get this little moat out of somebody else's eye. Why? Because religion. Because there's competition. Because I want to be more holy than you are. I want to be more righteous than you are. I want a better position in the church than you do. And because I do this, and you don't do that, and I do this, and you don't do that. In the kingdom of God, there is none of that going on. There is no controversy. There is no competition because everybody born again in the kingdom of God has the same access to the same government, the same money, the same peace, the same joy, the same everything. So it doesn't make any difference. You don't have to pull somebody down so you can get up above them. You don't have to do that. All you've got to do is receive from the kingdom of God that's already been given to you. I mean, in your life, are you a stone thrower? Come on. Or are you somebody who's allowing God to work on you through the kingdom of God? Because there's going to be a lot of changes in your life as you start to study this kingdom of God and start to see things His way. God loves people. He don't love them because they're good, bad, ugly, sinner, righteous. He just loves people, period. And when you get in the kingdom of God, people will become your, your heart's desire. Helping people, doing something to people. Religion, if they saw you in dry bones, they'd just tell you how dry you were. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom. The kingdom wants to bring dry bones out into some freshness, into some joy, into some peace, into raise people up, basically. Because you want to be a kingdom influence on everybody that's around you, everything that takes place. That's why you can't live in depression. Who are you going to help if you're depressed? And the only reason you're depressed is because of worldly things you're looking at in the world rather than the kingdom things that he's already done for you. You should be really excited that he got you born into the kingdom of God. You should be excited that the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. You should be excited, praise God, that you have authority and power over circumstances and situations that you have been tolerating in your life for quite some time. You don't have to put up with that anymore. When worry starts to come in, you bash that thing, praise God. When fear starts to come in, it's running wild all over the world right now, you stop that thing. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, power and of a sound mind. All right. Go to Matthew chapter 11. This is one thing that really registered to me when I read it. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 16. But whereunto shall we liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows, and saying, We've piped unto you, and you've not danced. We've mourned unto you, you've not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, You've got a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, they said, Behold, a drunk and a wine-bibbler and a friend of the publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified by who? Now notice, if you're living religiously, basically you will never be happy because things will never be good enough for you. If they play a tune to try to get you to dance, you're going to decide to mourn that day. If they play you a funeral song, you're going to want to rejoice that day. 
If they don't want you to drink and you drink, they're going to get mad. In other words, whatever you do, religion cannot satisfy the hunger in your heart and the peace and joy that you want in your heart. It can't do it because religion just cannot be satisfied in any single way. The religious basically will criticize everything. People will come to your church. The music's too long. The music's too short. The music's too loud. Uh, The leader made this decision I don't like. The leader made that decision I don't like. The leader, I'm going to a church where it's perfect. Well, let me help you. It'll never be perfect because you're there. See, what is it? That's that critical spirit that gets on you. Nothing can please you. Nothing's just going to make you happy. They can't make a decision. They could give you a million dollars and you complain because you've got to pay taxes on it. Something would be there, basically. Religion always, there's just no joy in it. There's just no peace in it because it's all you working, slaving, trying, doing your best for God to like you and everything to work out and God to give me things. And that's not the way it works. Kingdom is freedom. He's already provided for you all these things simply because he loved you. Healing belongs to you today. Now, I'm going to hang on to that, praise God. Ain't nobody going to take it from me. Ain't nobody going to take my peace. Ain't nobody going to take my joy. I'll just get up and walk away or I'll rebuke or do whatever, praise God. The Bible says that when you go out to minister and you come into a family's house, you, you leave your peace there. And if they don't want your peace, you take it back. Why? Because you have the ability to have peace or not have peace. And you can share that peace with other people. And if they don't want it, don't get mad at them. Just take it back. Let them worry, let them fret, let them do whatever they want. But you have the peace then, basically. You have the joy. These things are for yours to be protected, glory to God. They're things that have already been given to us, and these are kingdom things right now. Not when you die and go to heaven. Not after those things. Basically, right now. God wants rulership on the earth. When you get up there, rulership's not going to do any good. You're not going to overrule God the Father with something that you want to do. It's not going to work that way. So praise God. Religion, as you study the Bible, and I'll tell you where you can find it, wherever you find the word woe. Wherever you see the word woe, you know it's something that you need to study. You need to work on your own thinking light. You need to do. I mean, in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about people pray, but they want everybody to see them. People fast. Oh, my God. And they want everybody to know. All these things are in there. What are they? They're religion's way of getting other people to see you, other people to pat you on the back, other to do this thing. And I'll tell you, when you're in ministry, it takes a long time to get rid of this one because you want patted on the back when you give a sermon. You want patted on the back when you do something. You want somebody to come and say, oh, that was the best sermon that you ever gave. What are you going to do when somebody comes and says, that's the worst sermon I ever had? Quit the ministry? See, you're not here to please people. You're here to please God and grow people up into the things of God, basically. And let me tell you, not everybody's going to want to come. Not everybody wants to go there. Some people are happy in their normal, miserable Christianity. They're doing the things that they need to do. Uh, They're going to church on Sunday and Wednesday. They're they're at bingo. They're working twice a week. They're doing everything that they need to do, basically. And they're comfortable in that. But their lives, they're in sickness. They're in disease. They're down and out. They're depressed. And they don't have to be that way. Jesus was never depressed. Jesus was never down and out. Jesus was never being beat up by anything. Because Jesus walked a kingdom lifestyle. But then again, his mind was a little bit different than ours. So God says, hey, the kingdom's back. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So here's what I want you to do. Repent. Change the way you think. See yourself as a king. See yourself as a priest. See yourself as somebody in victory. Get rid of the woes that are in your life that have dominated your thinking from when they were a kid. And it's not our fault, you know, growing up, we believed whatever we were told, basically. 
And whatever got in there is in there. But these things can be changed through the Word of God. It's the Word of God that will change the way that you think to line you up with God's will in every single area of your life. So basically, there's a kingdom attitude. There's a kingdom thought life. There's kingdom power in your life today. You have the ability to live above what's going on in the world today, tomorrow, or any day. Do not push it off into the future. Well, after I'm in church 40 years, then I'll be able to do this. No, you can do it right now. It's already been given to you. You've already been raised and seated. You've already been given dominion. You've already been given power. But you've got to be the one to use that stuff, especially if you've been Christian a long time. It's time to grow up. It's time to move in the direction. So, well, I'm the church. Well, are you a disciple? I'm a Christian. Well, are, are you a disciple? God wants to raise up disciples. And the way he does that, let me just say it, is through buildings. People come to buildings and get taught about the kingdom of God. And sometimes, I mean, you, you check out Paul and Acts, there's sometimes he was in a place for weeks, months, and years to try to teach him something. And he taught every day and every night. He taught so long people were falling out windows and dying. And the Bible says in Acts 20, what was he teaching? The kingdom of God the whole time. So once Paul got started, let me tell you, Paul went on Facebook where he quit in 45 minutes. Paul went on and on and on and on. The next day he was there again. He's next day there. Why? Because it deals with your thought life and it takes a while to change that. So the sermons that we bring out, they're on computer. You can get them for goodness sakes. You can go back and listen to them. Study it for yourself. Believe it or not, the Holy Ghost wants to bring us out of religious thinking. And the more religious thinking I come out of, and I always think I got it. Whenever you get a revelation, I got it. And he starts showing me something else. I say, I ain't quite got it yet. And I got it. And it's, it's progressive. It's more and more each and every day. You're it removes that religious thinking out of you to where you put your trust in God for everything. Your victory, your authority, your dominion, everything there basically belongs to you simply because God loves you and has given it to you. So praise God. Uh, that's probably long enough. I don't think it ran out yet. Are we on a timer or anything like that, so we should be good. But praise God. We love all of you. We really miss you. I'll be so glad when we can all come back together here, you know, in church and, and spend time together in this building and teach and enjoy and even Wednesday nights you know I still got the teaching on authority that's just sitting there it keeps jumping out on the bed but I got to keep putting it back because we can't do that yet but praise God we love each and every one of you we are here praise God and let me just pray for each and every one of you father right now in the name of Jesus Holy Ghost rise up on the inside of each and every person who's listening right now I pray that you would start show them as they seek the kingdom first they will find things in the kingdom to change the way they think to change the way that they're doing things to make the adjustments in their life to line up and righteousness with you and father we thank you for a release of revelation and knowledge by the spirit of god if a kingdom things that they may understand the inheritance that you have given them and everything that jesus provided for each and every one and i thank you right now and i believe that it is done and we give you praise for it in jesus name and everybody who's here said amen, amen. god bless you the kingdom of